0: Hey guys, before we dive into today's episode, I just want to let you know about a couple things that I think that you'll love. If you enjoy the Business and Leadership podcast, you will most likely enjoy the Sunday Six. The Sunday Six is a Sunday newsletter that I send out every week, and it includes six interesting things that you can read in under six minutes. You can subscribe by clicking the link in the show notes or by going to jaredgrabiel.com Um, Of course, if you don't enjoy it, you can always unsubscribe, but I always recommend checking it out. And then two other resources, if you're really into business, leadership, self-help, self-growth, check out the Self-Help book, which is a book that I published January 17th of this year, and the Self-Help Journal, which is a great practical guide to self-awareness, which is arguably one of the greatest tools of leadership in today's world. Let's dive into today's show. This is the Business and Leadership Podcast with Jared Graybill. Hey guys, welcome back to the Business and Leadership Podcast. This is your host, Jared Graybill, And on today's episode, I have Brian Adams. Brian is the CEO and founder of wildly popular PH Creative, which is a global employer brand and a recruitment marketing agency that specializes in talent acquisition and candidate experience. The company's clients include uh, Apple, American Airlines, Cisco, Microsoft, Virgin Media, and many others. So it's safe to say we're going to learn a ton over the next 30 to 40 minutes. Brian is also an author who's written two best selling books, and his most recent one is titled Give and Get Employee Branding, which I'm excited to learn a little bit more about. Brian, thanks for being on the show today.
1: Oh, my pleasure, Jared. Thanks for having me.
0: Absolutely, man. So let's uh, let's dive right in, man. Brian, what is, I ask everybody this, uh, what is your short story? If you were to sum up how you got to where you are today in maybe three to four minutes. So let's try to cap it off around there.
1: Yeah, sure. Absolutely. So um, i I started my my agency because I was a a very passionate designer and a um, professional communications um, marketer, and I loved my job. And I was working eighteen hours a day. I'll I'll never forget this. It was an open plan office, and um, I'd done something wrong. I'd, I'd messed something up. It was fairly considerable actually um but my boss who looked like bluto from popeye if you can imagine um (laughs) came out and bawled me out in front of about 50 people and i felt sort of two inches tall and uh i didn't say anything but i did stand up and walk out and i started my agency the next day um and basically i wanted to grow a company um and demonstrate that you can you can lead people with, without being mean so that was the whole premise of starting the company we were a digital marketing agency and we slowly started to gravitate towards recruit the recruitment industry and then about 10 years ago we specialized in em- employer branding and that's all we do now we're a specialist uh, agency and since then we've experienced and enjoyed considerable growth um you know to the point where I wish I'd specialized right from the start but you know um hindsight's a wonderful thing so you know since yeah. then we've done some really interesting projects and you mentioned candidate experience we did a project with with um, virgin media which changed the landscape of what we did and really launched our company um and it's an interesting place for the conversation to start i guess because what we did was we 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 created the tangible link between people applying for a job at virgin media and the customers they had and what we identified was there was about Um, 30,000 people a year having such a poor candidate experience at Virgin Media that they would go home and cancel the Virgin Media contract and move over to Sky, which is their nearest competitor. And Virgin didn't know that at the time. Um, We unearthed it, we corrected it, and released the case study, and that kind of launched us. Uh, That was the first sort of industry-disrupting piece of work that we did because for the first time, we'd quantified the value of poor candidate experience and highlighted the fact that sorry go ahead yeah it was just uh, t- we highlighted the fact that anybody who touches your brand regardless of the reason um has an impact and you know we had a tangible link like people who people who were applying for jobs at virgin who were customers at virgin were so annoyed at the the experience that they uh, had they were canceling their their consumer contract you know so yeah.
0: it's, it was an interesting correlation wow i've never um thought too much about that on, on a global scale. I mean, of course, being a business owner myself, I am always thinking about uh, the interview experience. We don't want to leave people with a bad taste in their mouth mm-hmm. because if they don't get the job, we want don't want them to talk badly about us in the community. Um, exactly. But for a company like Virgin or Apple or American Airlines that have thousands of employees all over the globe, um, that can really put a uh, scuff mark on the brand image. And so um, so that's really, really interesting. I'm excited to dive a little bit more into that. Um, so part of your story, you mentioned that about 10 years ago, you pivoted to specifically employer branding. How long ago did you start PH Creative? So we're 17 years old
1: now. Okay. The agency, Yeah,
0: that's awesome. And you literally, uh, you left your job because of a bad experience with your boss, right?
1: yeah it didn't make me feel good at all. Um you know, so I quit quite spontaneously and started the company the next day with with no clients from a bedroom and um yeah, it was it was a bit of a lonely first first twelve months, to say the
0: least. Hey, entrepreneurship can be like that in the first twelve months. Mm-hmm. Um, which is I find that interesting because a lot of entrepreneurial stories are a little bit more um, elaborate, I guess you could say, you you had been building up to this and you had been planning it and you were just waiting for the right moment. But for you, you you just kind of got pushed off the the ledge. Um, was it something you were planning before that experience, like before that encounter with your boss or were you just like, yeah, into it?
1: So it's something I'm very grateful for now, obviously. Um, I was 26 years old and I was, for a number of years, I've thought, you know, when I grow up one day, I'd like to start my own business, uh, you know, and I get the feeling that, you know, if something hadn't have provoked me to sort of jump off, um, I would have daydreamed for a number of years in a job and just let the years go by. So very grateful for for that sort of emotional moment in time where I just thought, that's it, I can't do this. Uh, woke up the next day and, you know, I just needed a new change. I couldn't face going into work, so I started a company.
0: Yeah. And so you can pretty much consider that bad experience with your boss a, a, a streak of luck. Um, Life-changing. Life Absolutely. Pivotal yeah. in my life, certainly. Absolutely. Yeah. Not everybody gets pushed in such a way to start their own thing. Mm-hmm. Um, all right. Well, cool. Let's, let's talk a little bit more about PH Creative. Before we dive into like practically what you guys do, what exactly is a quote-unquote employer brand? Can you extrapolate on that for us?
1: Yeah, absolutely. So there's two sides to every brand that employs people. Obviously, there's the consumer brand that people are aware of. Like you think of, just do it in Nike. You think of um, think different with with Apple, and so on and so forth. Now the flip side um, is every organization typically runs on people, and they have to attract the best talent in the world if they want to be the best company. People are the only true competitive advantage left in business. I think you know everything else can be bought automated, commoditized, et cetera, but people can make the difference. Now, uh, just because you've got a great consumer brand doesn't mean that you are attractive to top professionals uh, or or people, uh, the volume you need to grow your organization. So what we do is we go in and we define the employee experience, what it's like, what it feels like to work there, and we try and pinpoint what makes them different um, construct messaging framework to make them relevant uh, and give them a point of difference which is which is unique to go to the marketplace and be competitive when when applying uh, when when trying to attract talent so essentially we help organizations create a
0: reputation in the marketplace as an employer yeah as some a place people would want to work exactly got it that's awesome thank you for explaining that so and i imagine this is really important in the tech space because that's a really competitive talent acquisition space they're all fighting for the same people
1: oh yeah Um, yeah and it's it's probably it's probably more competitive than that because if i'd obviously we've worked with most of the biggest tech companies in the world um but we've also worked with some of the biggest companies you've never heard of and um if i had a penny for every time i've heard look like people think we make tires, but actually we're a tech company. Or you know, people think we're a health company, but actually we're a tech company. Everybody's a tech company these days because the world is digital and, and most companies are built on technology. So we know a lot about that space. And you're right, it's not easy to get a developer or a software engineer um to get their attention such that they consider moving uh moving jobs these days. Um it takes a lot and you've got to have something to really to, to offer them that's new and really uh, understand your audience to market to them in a way that gets their attention properly, you know?
0: Yeah, that is really, that's a great point that, uh, you know, if you've got a large brand, even if you're selling tires, you're, there's a ton of technology that goes into that now. So when people are graduating with their computer engineering degree or computer science degree, they're looking to go to Netflix, not tire kingdom. So, um, Somebody's got to bring them to Tyre Kingdom. (laughs) Yeah, and that's
1: not always easy.
0: I I can imagine. Yeah. Um, This this is interesting to me that you've worked with uh, a handful of well-known brands, like we mentioned, Apple, Virgin, Microsoft. Um, So what is it like if you're... It almost seems like a conflict of interest to me to work for Apple, uh, increasing their employer brand, and then to work for Microsoft, increasing their employer brand. (laughs) um you know you're you're rooting for for two teams that are kind of playing against each other in a way um not entirely but in a way um so what is that like
1: well um i totally see how you would correlate that but um i can tell you somebody who is thriving at apple probably wouldn't thrive at microsoft and that yep. person um may or may not make it in google and the simple fact is um Apple is like an amazing organization to, to experience, but it's the obviously the, the biggest or the second biggest company on the planet. Actually, they're very unstructured. They don't have much structure. Um, they believe that um, if you want to get ahead at Apple, you need to network and make relationships and you should have autonomy to make your own decisions and you know so on and so forth. Whereas at Microsoft, it's very structured and you've got to um, play by the management process rules and um, you have a lot of guidance and tangible leadership. So the environments are completely different, you know. So um, when you make a list of uh, brands that you want to work for and you mentioned Netflix or, you know. Nike is probably the one brand that I'm still yet to work with and, and I really want to. It's interesting because they're all very different. And our job is to find what makes them different. And then not just lay out the strengths, benefits, and opportunities of working there, but also laying out what are the harsh realities, the adversities, and the challenges that you will find so you can make an informed decision. Hmm. Is that a challenge? Is that a mountain I want to climb? You know, is, Do I have what it takes to thrive there? You know, and somebody with the same ability from a coding perspective could have a horrible experience in Amazon versus an amazing life changing experience at Google. Not based on the coding and the actual job, but the people around them and how they're asked to uh,
0: contribute to the organization. Yeah, the culture seems really dependent on. Uh, Absolutely, it sort of defines the the employer brand in a way. Absolutely. Um, yeah. So what's your most fascinating organization, or I guess maybe your favorite organization that you've worked with so far and why?
1: (laughs) So um, I remember we worked with American Airlines, the biggest airline on the planet. I didn't realize that at the time, but they are. And um, they have grown over years with a number of acquisitions. You know, So US Airways was the, the latest merger, and you know, they've bought a number over the years. Now, when you think about it, when companies merge, you're actually trying to, to stitch together two different cultures, and that can give you challenges as you grow. Yeah. Like, we don't do it that way. Well, we do it this way, and it can create divisions and so on and so forth. American Airlines was, um, was, was definitely an organization with multiple different subcultures, which was a, a big challenge. When we met their engineers, um, a small group of um, of people. Basically, their job is to keep planes in the air, keep them safe. You know, um, I met a bunch of guys who said, "I I don't like my job. I just don't like my job." Because when they described it, I thought, "I don't like your job either." It sounds really hard. You know, <laughs> the conditions aren't great, and you know, and it's the same across all the airlines. Actually, um, it's a brutal, um, thankless task. It's relentless, and it just doesn't sound very much. It doesn't sound a lot, a lot of fun. And I remember speaking to these guys, uh, and it it was a workshop that we did research, trying to sort of find what the culture is like in in American Airlines, obviously. And it was a tough crowd. They weren't giving us anything because they all said, "Look, we don't like it. We just do it. We don't like it. We earn the money and all the rest of it." Until one guy said, "Well, actually, there is something I'm grateful for." So I leaned in. I was like, "Okay, what? What's that?" He said. Um, so my parents were Mormon. My parents are Mormon. So like horse and cart, no electricity, like very sort of interesting sort of childhood. He said, but my son's about to graduate from Harvard. So in one generation, look at what we've achieved. And actually, I've got to attribute that to American Airlines. I don't like my job. I don't like what I do. I don't think the conditions are great. But what they do do is they afford me the ability. So uh, at American Airlines, um, as a general rule of thumb, uh, any employee can fly anywhere in the world for free. Which is just amazing. And when his son had a geography uh, assignment, he took him to base camp Everest to, to see what it's like and smell the air and look around, and um, so he could talk about it with experience. When he had a history project, he took him to the Colosseum in Rome, um, you know. And when um, he was doing different projects, he took him to the Olympics in Greece and this and the other. Yeah, he yeah. said, I gave him life experience that actually most people can't buy. And it changed his life to the point where he's just graduated from Harvard. And it makes me proud to be able to provide for my family in that way. And when he told that story, everybody else chirped up with how American Airlines had afforded them to change the life and the, the, the quality of the life around them. And that was a defining moment in the in the whole project because that was that was what led us to the unique value that American Airlines bring and the pride and passion that exists. And it, it bonded and united all of the subcultures that I talked about from the mergers and acquisitions. And it was a really key moment in the whole project. And what it taught me was you can have the most harsh environment um, employee experience. It doesn't have to be um, sunshine and rainbows, but there's always a unique aspect. There's always a point of difference. There's always an emotional human story to tell that will define bring purpose, impact and belonging to an employee experience. And um, that was that was a very memorable moment in, in my career. And we went on and built a, a very successful employer
0: brand for them. That's awesome. How long did you end up working with them from like start to finish?
1: So a global project like that um, typically takes uh, just under 12 months. And that was the same, it was like nine to 12 months, uh, that that initial piece of the work.
0: Okay. And how many people do you have on your team at PH Creative at this point?
1: So there's 70 of us, um, and we're in um, the US, UK, and Europe, and we've just opened in New Zealand as well. Um, you know, So we're a small team, but our, our vision is everybody loves their job. So if we work with some of the world's largest employees, we can reach millions of people and impact multi-millions of uh, people in a talent audience externally applying for jobs, by better setting the expectations of what it's like to work there. So that's that's our vision.
0: Yeah, that's a really cool. So when you get hired on by a company like American Airlines or Virgin, Cisco, Microsoft, Apple, um, what do you practically do with these companies? And of course, there's a nine to 12 month process there. So I'm sure you can't go into detail on everything. But from a second or third story view, what does that look like?
1: So understanding the business strategy and the direction of travel for the business as a whole is, is really important. So if we haven't got leadership buy-in, we won't work with a new client partner. We need to know what they're trying to achieve from a business perspective. And then we'll look at, okay, so from a people point of view, um, what do, what's the employee view? What do they think of the organization? What's the leadership view? And what's the difference? Because there's always a difference. Leadership will tell you what they want the employee experience to be like and what they think it is on the best day. The employees, as you can imagine, tell you the what's and all, what it's really like. And then we look at the market view. What are you up against from a talent perspective? And it's our job then to research and get a really good representative view of um, data and insights um, from across the organization, from a research point of view. And then we really dig in because data tells you what, but people tell you why. And the why, you know, which is you know now synonymous from Simon Sinek and all the rest of it, is understanding the why. That's what creates the foundation for a good employer brand strategy. So we want to align what makes your organisation different, in line with the um, the direction of travel from a business strategy perspective. So we can give a consistent message and create an employee experience which is aligned and coherently joined to the business strategy. So, you know, if you need a high-performance culture in order to grow, then we, we highlight the aspects of high performance. And, you know, if there's an aspirational bit to that, that's okay. We'll introduce it and be very open and honest about, look, here's what the culture's like, but here's what it needs to be, and here's where we're going. And some people like that, some people don't. And a lot of the time, people will leave because they feel the organization changing, and that's Okay. You know, it creates space to attract different people who are ideally matched to the to the uh, future facing of the of the organization. So, um, once we've got the messaging framework and it's aligned with the business strategy, we'll then bring it to life with a visual toolkit. So that's the stuff that you will see as an audience. So it might be PowerPoint presentations, social media um, graphics, videos, um, interviews, photography, the look and feel of the career website. Um, it could be student fairs to get um, fresh talent into the organization, so that that kind of thing. And yeah, I mean, there's there's a, a lot more to it, but in essence, that's yeah. the
0: simple journey end to end. Have you had experiences where you weren't successful? Um, because I, I a lot of your success at PH Creative is dependent on their adaptation of your of your <laughs> theories and and you know your consulting advice. Um, yeah. So have you had unsuccessful partnerships? And if so, can you go into with who? If not, then why? <laughs> you know, a little bit. So
1: so we've had we've had many failures over the years. You know, that's what experience is, I guess. But um, a number of years ago, we made the same mistake multiple times until we caught it. And we'd go into an organization and we'd work with the person that hired us. And what we'd failed to do is make sure that the, the leaders of the organization bought into the project. Because if the leaders don't buy into it and if they don't champion it, it's got no chance of working whatsoever. You can no. launch something, but if have have got the advocacy and leadership from the front, it won't work. So we made that mistake a number of times and we've done some brilliant work that's never seen the light of day because it's been squashed at the end. The leaders are just like, say, we don't, we don't want to back that message or we don't believe in that. So we've made that mistake a a number of times. It has to come from the top. If they don't value the people not aligned with the messaging, it it won't work. Um, But in terms of um, failure, the interesting thing about employer brands, if you activate and it doesn't work, the worst thing that can possibly happen is nobody sees it. You know, it doesn't get traction. You've got somebody's attention, but you haven't got affinity, Um, you know. So um, as part of our launch process now, we test and measure on live audiences and that's why the research is so important. You know, uh, I remember working with, um, with Apple and we, we basically discovered the work life balance wasn't very good. Um, and they said, oh, what do we do about this? Like people might leave. And we said, well, no, they, they won't leave because they're the ones that told us like they already know. Um, but what we managed to do successfully was to justify the fact that you're going to have to commit here more than, anywhere else. But the upside is, you're going to work with the smartest people you've ever met. You're going to find out your true potential faster than you ever thought possible. And you're going to see your work in the hands of millions every day. You know, And some people don't like that. And some people do. So what we believe, which is contrary to the marketplace, is employer brands should be there to repel the many and actually compel the few that are ideally matched. And that was a conclusion we've come to after many years of, uh, of, of doing it wrong and, and learning by our mistakes. You know, that's 17 years. You make a few mistakes. I've got the scars to prove it for sure.
0: Yeah. And that goes back to, you know, Jim Collins, good to great, finding the right seat on the right bus. Um, th- that made me think, though, because I can imagine I've done employer surveys, annual employment surveys, you know, leadership reviews with staff and I uh, actually have a podcast episode on this um, on measuring the value of criticism or feedback. When you're working with a lot of these employees, I mean I imagine a handful of them are saying, oh work-life balance is bad. I'm not getting paid enough. like what do you do about that? because some of that's like, well, like you need to do a better job if you want more money <laughs> you know what I mean like your your work-life balance is partially your responsibility. So how do you take that feedback and say, hey, like some of this is y'all's fault, but some of this we're going to take this leadership and work on. How do you discern the difference? Do you know what I'm saying?
1: I know exactly what you're saying. It's a really good question. So first of all, what we're very careful to do with our feedback, with our research is to separate perception versus reality. Because a lot of the time we'll say, hey, everyone says there's no work-life balance. They're like, what are you talking about? Like everybody can take three days off if they want every week and we do this, this, and this. People just don't know about it. It's like, oh, okay. So that goes in the, let's communicate that better bucket. Sometimes there's just a list of things that aren't very good, you know? And we take all of that research back to leadership and say, hey, look, you know, is this a harsh reality that we need to work around? Or is this something that you're going to change? And sometimes it's like, well, hell no, we've got got relentless working hours for a reason. We're high performance and this, that, and the other. So um, as long as we know where we're playing and we know what what is fact versus fiction, uh, um, truth versus you know perception, right? Then um, and we've taken that to the leadership and they've said, look, those things are going to change, and here's what they're going to change into. Those things are going to stay the same, and we can build a strategy around it. And I always use the example. Um, it's where I live on a little place, a little island called Coronado is where the, the Navy SEALs train and I hear them shooting overnight and all that kind of stuff. And it's like, Oh my God, like, you know, and they have something like to get into the Navy SEALs, they have something called hell week. Right. And that sounds pretty awful to me. So it's yeah. certainly enough to stop me wanting to be a Navy SEAL. Like, you know, I've never had aspirations anyway, but some people, um, train for years in their youth leading up to the, the time where they can apply to be a Navy SEAL. And the reason that they lean in and want to be a Navy SEAL is to prove they've got what it takes to get through hell week and then to wear that as a badge of honor afterwards. Now, if that's not a harsh reality that they're leaning into and using to polarize an external audience, but also galvanize an internal audience, then I, then I don't know what, I mean, that's the best example I can possibly think of. That's a universal example because just because it's a harsh reality doesn't mean, need to mean it's a negative. It's yeah. just a it's just a truth. And all we're talking about here, from a branding perspective and a reputation perspective, is level setting expectations. And you know, the marketing industry is driven on strengths, benefits, opportunities, the sunny side of you know. This is this is why you should choose this over competitive. With the talent uh, side of things, it's not like that at all. It's like, look, nowhere's great. Give me, give me the highlights. Why should I? But what have I got to put up with? What do I need to know in order to thrive and survive and all of that good stuff? So that yeah, you know, there's a very distinct difference
0: there. Yeah, the I want to pivot for a moment and talk about your book, Give and Get Employee Branding. Um, my first question is, who is this book for? So, good question.
1: <laughs> so, any mid-sized organizational leader who cares about people, first of all. Most global brands that we work with, they have a head of employer brand or a head of talent acquisition. And typically, um, this is a very useful book for, for, those, uh, for those people to read. Um, you know, and you know, a, a part of this is for startup entrepreneurs. You know, When I started, I thought I was too small to care about this stuff. And what I've learned many years later is it's much easier to build the culture that you want to grow than to grow a culture and then realize, oh, I've got to change this because it's not right. Yeah. Um. You know. So any organizational leader who goes to bed at night hoping that people are doing what they're supposed to be doing in the way that they want them to do and feel impact, purpose, and belonging, then this book will add some value to their, to their day.
0: Awesome. And what would you say is a few of the main takeaways from the book if, if it's driven on five steps or eight messages like what are a couple of those things? so the big premise
1: um, is the give and the get so traditional employer branding is just like advertising saying hey you know we're, we're attractive as an employer you should just you should should uh, um, apply for a job for us we don't believe it's a magnet to attract we believe it's a smart filter um, to educate so that's that's the first that's the premise and then the give and get is how to do that. How to lay out what you've got to offer, but um, your demands and expectations as an employer in return. So it's how to create that two-way value exchange rather than just uh, a one-way broadcast of of the positives, sunny side. Um, so we walk through that. A big part of the book is also about humanizing your brand. Um, so there's various storytelling techniques um, to use to. Um, to create more ambassadorship and advocacy because, well, you know, we we all know that people do business with people they like, you know, people want to work for an organization that they can like and respect um, and satisfy. I have said it a couple of times now, the purpose, impact, and belonging. We all want to have meaning in our lives; that's purpose. We all want to be able to contribute to something and make a difference. That's impact and belonging. You know, we want to feel accepted. We want to bring our whole self to, to work um you know so so that's the the idea of, of 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 belonging so we walk through how to create an employer brand with the two way value exchange step by step um to achieve a satisfactory end result um you know so it's 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 as simple as that really
0: awesome in your opinion, Brian, what do you think makes a good leader like if you had to choose one to three character traits, what would they be?
1: That's a great question and um I think number 1 and if you've asked this question on podcast episodes before I'm sure I'm sure it's high up there you tell me is is empathy yeah um yeah. especially you me. know be, yeah absolutely um you know and then um from from an empathy perspective I think um you know if you can if you can demonstrate you want an understanding and a caring for your people then that's a really good place to start and then i would say um integrity and i think as a leader it's not your job to make the most popular decision it's your job to make the right decision and that's not always easy and that takes incredible integrity you know and just to do the things you say you're going to do when you're going to do them i think that's that's important yeah, so that's really good empathy Empathy, integrity. And then this is a bit controversial, but like this is just, you know, you asked my opinion, not sort of you know. <laughs> um, I I think a leader these days needs to bring a good healthy dose of audacity. Um, and that is creativity, innovation, bravery, um all rolled into one and having the daring to do something that others around them may not do now taking calculated risks um you know and calculated is the key there but um from a leadership perspective people want to follow somebody who is willing to um have the conviction to do something daring in my opinion
0: yeah i love that word audacity uh especially as it relates to leadership i don't know that anybody's ever articulated that articulated it that way um that's good stuff brian what about business? Let's talk a little bit about business. What do you think contributes the most to a business's success? If you had to choose one of these items, for example, mm-hmm. which would it be? And we're talking about market timing, leadership, teamwork, market conditions, culture, product market fit, the business model, right? And there's, of course, a handful of other terms. But what one thing do you think sits at the top of that pyramid?
1: So... I think the only thing that can sit at the top of that pyramid is business strategy. Um, you know, and that really means that you've got to understand what business you're in, you know? And I, I, I see a lot of business leaders in a lot of different sizes and different shapes of organizations. And it amazes me sometimes that, um, you know, sometimes they're lucky enough to be doing a, a good job, but they don't realize the shape of their business. They don't realize the business they're in, you know, and a, a little example of that is, um, you know if if you've got ambitions to scale quickly you can't expect to be profitable every year you know there is a tension between profit and growth you have to be comfortable that you might not you're not going to make profit then that and that is then a decision you've made strategically you know um you know so that's just one example and then um you know from a strate- strategy point of view so my my current top level strategy is around um content community and technology every decision that anybody in my organization makes is is it going to contribute to the size of our community and the value of our community is it going to improve the quality of the content we produce and are we making best use of technology to the point where if we're not why not and like is there is there a gap where we should be filling and like we build our own so for me without without strategy uh, everything else is just noise you know Deliberately going where you want the organization to go.
0: I love it. Everyone usually has a slightly different answer, so it's, uh, it's always an interesting question to ask. A couple more rapid-fire questions before we close out today, Brian. Uh, if you had to choose to work for one company, who would it be? Oof,
1: um, I'm going to say I'm going to say Nike, just because um,
0: it's, You seem to be pretty into Nike.
1: Yeah, it's just, um, I read Phil Knight's book a while ago. So good. Um, it's, it's fantastic. I love their origin story and it's been aspirational and it's also a part, it's been a part of every chapter of my life. You know, there's, I've got a pair of Nikes for every sort of decade and, you know, okay, it's just, yeah, there's an emotional and nostalgic connection with Nike.
0: I love it. Um, what is your favorite book? If you were to make a book recommendation, what would it be?
1: Um, black box thinking, um, by Matthew Said. Uh, it's a very interesting book that makes you think differently about the world around you and how people make decisions and how, um, relationships affect, uh, communication and the, the correlation to, to business is just, is
0: fantastic.
1: Black box thinking.
0: Sounds intriguing. Uh, what was in these last two? I got to give credit to Tim Ferriss because I got these from his podcast and I use them almost every show. If you, what, what's one of the best purchases you've made for under $100 in the past six months or less?
1: Oh, what a great, what a great question. What a fantastic question. Um do you know? I think it's my, um, I think it's my blender. <laughs> I think it's my blender because it allows me to um, improve the nutritious sort of lifestyle i want to lead but really quick you know if what it is it a bullet lifestyle. or something like that it's yeah it's the um what's it called is it magic bullet or the yeah it's it's one of those that that brand yeah
0: okay last question man if you could put anything on a big blank billboard on the busiest intersection that you know of what would it say
1: so we are talking general life advice for people and you know, you're you're anything. sending
0: a message out to, a, to the world <laughs>
1: um i think it would be something like dare to think bigger um because when i look at the right my company's 17 years old and if if i lost everything today i'm very confident i could grow the business to the same size in less than 2 or 3 years um and when i look at why that is the case it's because my strategic plan at various points in my career have has has actually um prohibited the growth you know because i haven't thought bigger since
0: i've started to think bigger i've achieved bigger awesome dare to think bigger with brian adams from ph creative brian thank you for being on the show today Uh, i know you've got two books out you've got ph creative what are some of the best ways for people to find information about you and about your books
1: yeah so everything's um available on ph-creative.com uh i'm always on linkedin i think it's brian adams with a y Um, number one uh, if you want to search for that or or Brian Adams PH Creative Uh, or just go straight to Amazon uh, buy my book and leave a review and I'll find you
0: (laughs) awesome I'll put the links in the show notes as well for the audience thanks again for being on the show Brian today I'm sure the audience learned a lot I know I did as an employer I'm excited to implement some of the stuff that you've taught me today Uh, until next time man have an awesome day
1: thanks a lot Jared That that was a lot of fun thank you
0: Hey guys, I hope you enjoyed today's episode. Before you go, I have a couple asks of you. Number one, if you enjoy the Business and Leadership Podcast, I highly recommend you checking out the Sunday Six. Uh, The Sunday Six is a newsletter that I send out every Sunday with six interesting things that should take you about six minutes or less to check it out, unless you decide to go on one of the rabbit holes Of the links that I include in the email. It's definitely worth checking out. And of course, if you don't enjoy it, you can always unsubscribe. You can check out the Sunday 6 by uh, looking in the show notes. There's a link there. Or going to jaredgrabiel.com and subscribing. Additionally, Of course, January 17th, I published my first book, The Self-Help Book, and if you enjoy the content in the Business and Leadership Podcast, you'll most likely enjoy the book. You can read it in under two hours. It's very applicable, extremely practical. You can pick up one chapter and apply it to your life, or you can read the whole thing. Um, The Self-Help Book can be found at Amazon.com or anywhere online that books are sold, and last but not least... The Self-Help Journal. Of course, if you enjoy the book, you'll love the journal. It's a practical way to apply some of the steps to your life. Um, Self-awareness is a huge tool in business and leadership. And journaling, whether you use mine or anybody else's, is going to be the best step you can take towards gaining self-awareness. So I recommend checking that out. Just search The Self-Help Journal, Jared Grabiel, on Amazon.com. It's currently for sale for $9.99. And again, if you enjoy the show please do two things. Refer it to a friend and leave a review on iTunes or Spotify or wherever you listen to the podcast. Thanks again. Much love and God bless.